Good morning, brave souls. Let me take a moment to say thank you to Fred Williams, Jordan Venema back there as well, and Tyler Jones. I think those were the three that came up earlier this morning and made things a little better for us to get in the building. So thank you, fellows. Appreciate that very much. Last Sunday, we began a new series of messages on discipleship, and we took a look at how to become a disciple of Jesus. We noted that the word disciple comes from the Greek word mathetes, which is the origin of our word mathematics. And so a disciple is someone who adds up all the facts and proofs that Scripture presents and decides that Jesus is who he said he is. And so they decide to follow him. Jesus is Lord and Savior. He is the Son of the living God. Well, this morning we're going to go another step further and talk about growth in discipleship. Growth. In other words, once I choose to become a disciple of Jesus, a follower of Jesus, how then do I grow as a disciple? Jesus said, come follow me, I'll make you to become fishers of men. Okay, I believe in Jesus. I believe he's the son of God. I believe he is who he said he is. And I choose to follow him. Now what? How do I grow? What's next? The answer is simple. You see it on the screen. Discipline. It's a word that I think we understand. It may be easier said than done. But the answer is discipline. Discipline always produces dynamic results. It always does. You know that to be true. Whether it's disciplining yourself to save a few dollars every week so that you can purchase something you really want, or maybe you're building your nest egg towards retirement, or maybe it's disciplining yourself so that you exercise regularly and you eat sensibly so, so that you can feel better and be healthy and have a long life and maybe fit into your clothes a little easier. <laughs> Or maybe it's disciplining yourself to study hard and learn all you can so that you can get that degree and receive that diploma. Maybe it's disciplining yourself to give up and sacrifice some pleasure so that you can focus on God more fully by yourself. But discipline always produces dynamic results. Let me give you a couple of examples from my era, okay? Pistol Pete Maravich, some of you will remember that name in this service. He was a great NBA basketball player, a wonderful college player. He would shoot 100 jump shots every day, seven days a week. And when he was young, he never walked to or from school without dribbling a basketball. Most of the time, two basketballs, one for each hand, as he went. Discipline. And he became one of the greatest. Or how about Doc Severinsen? Doc led Johnny Carson's Tonight Show band for years and years. He's one of the greatest trumpet players in the world. He would sit on a stool in front of a mirror and practice four hours every single day. Four hours. Discipline. And we love those kind of stories. 
So if you want to grow in your discipleship to Jesus, then you, you have to practice the disciplines. You must be disciplined. Now you have the ability to do that because God gave you that ability. Paul writes in 2 Timothy 1.7 these words, God didn't give us a spirit of timidity, but a spirit of power, of love, and of what? Self-discipline. God has given you a spirit of self-discipline. He's literally ensured it that you can be a disciplined person because he's given you that spirit of self-discipline as well as the spirit of power and of love. He's given that to you. So when you buy the lie that you can't do whatever, you can't lose X amount of pounds, or, or you, can't, you can't save money, or I can't pass that test, or I can't, I can't, I can't, you're speaking the devil's language. Because God says you may be right, you may not be able to do it on your own, but you can do it with me. I'll give you the power so you can. He's also given us the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Our bodies are temples of God's Holy Spirit, as Paul writes in 1 Corinthians. The Spirit is our helper. He's our comforter. And through Him, we can tap into the power of God. It's the presence of God within us. So why do we walk around like a bunch of defeated, discouraged, depressed believers when we have all the power of heaven at our disposal? Greater is he that is in us than he that's in the world. The Spirit dwells within us. And thirdly, God's given us his word to help us live a disciplined life. Solomon writes, Proverbs 1, 1 to 3, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for attaining wisdom and discipline, for understanding words of insight, for acquiring a disciplined and prudent life, doing what is right and just and fair. And so God has given us this book, the scriptures, to help us live a disciplined life. Now what I want to do this morning, Tom didn't preach all my sermon, but he almost did, all right, is I I just want you to forget about everybody else here, forget about me, forget about all the folks that, that couldn't make it today, maybe because of the weather that aren't here just for the next few moments, Say, God, I want to focus on myself. I want to change myself to be the kind of self that you want me to be. If you're going to to be all God wants you to be, if you're going to accomplish all that God wants you to accomplish, there are some disciplines that will help you do that, that will help you grow in your discipleship. These are nothing new. You've heard them before. But this is a great time of year to go through them once again. Here they are. You may want to write them down. Number one, you need to have a daily quiet time with God in prayer. That's where it all begins. A daily quiet time with God and prayer. You need to have a time every day where you spend time alone with God. You've got to do that. It's top priority. If you're going to be all God wants you to be and accomplish all God wants you to accomplish, if you're going to have all the fullness of God's blessings in your life, then you've got to have a daily quiet time with God in prayer. But you know what? Most Christians don't do that. Sad to say. 
the majority of Christians, they'll get up, they get dressed, they may have in mind what they need to get done that day, they may gulp down a few bites of breakfast, and then they're off to work and to face the world. They get so involved in what they're doing and with their busy schedules that at the end of the day they realize that they haven't spent any time alone with God, they haven't prayed a single time, they haven't read any of the Bible, and the day is gone. Listen, you can't grow as a disciple of Jesus that way. If you want to build a relationship with Christ, you've got to spend time with Him. Make it a priority. He's given you a spirit of self-discipline. You can do this. You are the captain of your time. You are the captain of your schedule. And you cannot afford not to spend time with God. That's number one. Here's one you might not expect, fasting. And this is one I need to practice, fasting. And that may be a strange concept to a lot of you. You don't hear a lot about fasting today. You don't hear many sermons or teachings on fasting. And yet it's a great biblical doctrine. Fasting seems to be out of step with our times, right? I mean, when, wherever you go, you can see the golden arches or, or a pizza temple around every corner, whatever. But Jesus said in Matthew 6, 16, when you fast, not if. He said, when you fast. He assumed we would. Now, there is no command anywhere in Scripture to fast, and yet Jesus assumed we would. He said, when you fast, don't look somber as the hypocrites do. They disfigure their faces to show men that they're fasting. So what is fasting? Well, for our purposes in this message this morning, let me define it this way. Fasting is abstaining from food for spiritual purposes. That's it. It's denying yourself so you can devote yourself to God. It's literally saying, God, all, uh, at these times during the day when I normally put my, myself first and do something for my own enjoyment, God, I'm going to set that aside and spend more time in prayer and Bible study today. I'm going to devote myself to you. And every time I think of food during the day, well, that's just going to be a reminder to take a moment and speak to you or read your word, or memorize some scripture. Let me give you four quick reasons why we should do this, why we should fast. Number one, we ought to fast for spiritual power. In Mark chapter 9, the disciples are trying to cast out a demon. They can't do it. When Jesus arrives, they tell him the situation, and Jesus says this kind can come out only by prayer and fasting. So in other words, there will be certain situations in your life where you need that added dimension of fasting to have spiritual power. That's one reason. Secondly, we ought to fast for spiritual understanding. Spiritual understanding in Acts 9 verse 9, Saul of Tarsus who has met the Lord on the road to Damascus, it says that he went into the city where he fasted for three days. Before God ever told him what he had in store for him, before God ever told him, this is a mission, I'm going to send you on a mission to the Gentiles, Saul was seeking spiritual understanding through fasting. Have you done that? You ever fasted like that? Here's the third reason. We ought to fast for spiritual breakthroughs. 
One of the most beautiful stories in all the Bible is in Esther chapter 4. And Haman has devised this wicked plan to destroy all the Jews. Esther is a Jew. And Mordecai, her relative, sends word to her saying, You've got to talk to the king or we're all going to be killed. And she says, I can't go to the king. I haven't seen him for 30 days. And if I go before him uninvited, I'll be killed unless he extends the scepter to me. And Mordecai says, perhaps you've come to the kingdom for such a time as this. Well, the whole Jewish nation could have been wiped out, but you know what Esther said to Mordecai? She said, get all the people together, all the Jews, and ask them to fast for three days. I and my servants will do the same. Then I'll go before the king, and if I die, I die. Well, if you know the story, the king extended the scepter to her. He granted her request to let the Jews defend themselves. Haman was hanging on the same gallows that he had built for Mordecai. Folks, we ought to fast for spiritual breakthroughs. Here's a fourth reason. We should fast for times of cleansing and revival. Cleansing and revival. Fasting can literally bring changes in people's lives. Just read Isaiah chapter 58 about the kind of fasting that produces such change. Fasting is a discipline, and discipline always produces dynamic results. Here's a third discipline. That's the discipline of worship. Worship. Psalm 29.2 says, Ascribe to the Lord the glory due His name. Worship the Lord in the splendor of holiness. Psalm 95, 6 and 7 says, Come, let us bow down and worship. Let us kneel before the Lord our God, our Maker, for He is our God, and we're the people of His pasture, the flock under His care. And so we need to discipline ourselves to worship God with a lifestyle that continually honors Him. And worship is so much more than a formal church activity on Sunday mornings. So much more. What would happen if all of us learned to worship on a personal level the other six days of the week. That wherever we go, whatever we do, we're focusing on God. We're living with an eternal perspective. We need to capture a sense of worship every single day of our lives. You're familiar with what Paul writes in Romans 12:1, where he says, Therefore I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God, this is your spiritual act of worship. Presenting your bodies as a living sacrifice is worship. You thought much about your body lately? My body is not what it once was. And all God's people can say amen personally to that. All right. What do you do with your body? Where'd your body go this week? What, what, what did you see? What went through your eyes? Uh, what was your body exposed to this week? What went into your ears? Do you ever stop and think, I need to be careful with what I do with my body? Because God wants our bodies to be living sacrifices to Him. Our bodies are to be holy and pleasing to Him because that's our spiritual act of worship, Paul says. And yet I think there are some people that profess to be Christians who think just because they've got their name on a church roll book someplace and they've been a member of the Lord's church maybe for years and years, 
that that just kind of gives them a pass and they can just go out and live any way they want to. They can go anywhere they want to go. They can say anything they want to say. They, they can do anything they want to do. And they don't realize that they're not being a living sacrifice because they keep crawling off the altar and offering the members of their bodies to wickedness. What's the very next verse in Romans 12 say? Don't conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, His good, pleasing, and perfect will. It's time we showed the world some transformed lives. Different people, different lifestyles, different lip service. Let's be transformed by the renewing of our minds. That's worship. When we take our stand for God, that's worship. Don't turn your back on Him. Worship Him. Here's a fourth discipline, Bible study. This is an obvious one, isn't it? Folks, this is a God-written, God-inspired, Holy Spirit-inspired book. And he knows a whole lot more about life than I do. And the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet, a light unto my path. This Word contains the only hope for the world because it contains the story of Jesus. It's the only hope for our families, the only hope for your life. And yet, we spend so little time in it. Why is the Word of God so important? Tom told you in his communion meditation, Isaiah 55, verses 10 and 11, As the rain and the snow come down from heaven and do not return to it without watering the earth and making it bud and flourish so that it yields seed for the sower and bread for the eater, so is my word that goes out from my mouth. It will not return to me empty, but will accomplish what I desire and achieve the purpose for which I sent it. The I is God. His word will accomplish that. It will always accomplish God's purposes if we'll just let it. And one of the greatest disciplines you can have under Bible study is memorizing Scripture or portions of Scripture. Psalm 119, verse 11, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And the reason why so many people are struggling with sins that they should have taken care of a long time ago is because they haven't applied the power of the Word of God to the sin in their life. And if you'll memorize portions of God's Word, God's Word will accomplish the purpose for which it's sent. It will help you overcome sin. We ought to memorize portions of the Word for, for at least four reasons. Number one is protection. His Word will protect us. Number two is provision. His word will provide for us. Thirdly, his power. His word gives us power. And fourthly, his promises. His word gives us promises. There are over 8,000 promises in the Bible. And they'll be a source of incredible blessing to you if you'll memorize portions of his word. One of the mottos of the restoration movement has been that we are people of the book. Can that really be said anymore? We need to be students of the scriptures. Here's a fifth discipline. That's the discipline of giving. Giving. Giving is a discipline. It doesn't come to us naturally. Something we got to work at. By nature, we're selfish. You don't have to teach someone how to be selfish. What's one of the first words a little one learns? 
mine, mine, sure. You don't have to teach that. But we have to discipline ourselves to learn to give. And the more we become like God, the more we learn to give like God gives. It's a discipline. And again, you've heard me say this. Jesus taught more on the subject of giving and stewardship than any other subject in the Bible. 16 out of his 38 parables deal with stewardship and what we need to do about it. And maybe you wonder, well, why? Why does the Bible say so much about money? Why, why does it say so much about stewardship? Well, I'll tell you why. It's because Jesus knew there would be one thing that would compete for godhood in our lives besides him. And it would be money and possessions. He knew that. He knew where our treasure is, but that's where our hearts would be also. He knew you can't serve God in money. He knew that. It doesn't work. So learn to give. Develop the discipline of giving. Learn to give a, a minimum of a tithe, the 10%, back to the Lord. Why? The best reason is because then it can never be your God. We need to discipline ourselves to give. Here's the sixth discipline. It's the discipline of fellowship. Hebrews 10, 24, 25 says, Let's not forsake the assembling of ourselves together, as the habit of some is, but let us consider how we may spur one another on to love and good deeds. Don't you ever let somebody tell you that you don't need to go to church. That's a lie. We need to commit ourselves. We need to discipline ourselves to be a part of the fellowship. And the devil will do everything he can to rip you out of a good fellowship. He'll work 24 hours a day to rip you away from the very people that can help you. Acts 2.42 tells how the early disciples were devoted to the fellowship. And I'm not talking here about just coming on Sunday mornings. I'm not talking about coming here and filling up a few seats for a few hours on Sunday I'm talking about making a commitment to the fellowship, which means getting involved in each other's lives. That's what fellowship is all about. Why do we have church suppers and dinners? Why do we have a lip sync in June? Why do we have a birthday night in August? Why, why do the seniors go out once a month and eat? Because they're hungry? Well, <laughs> let's not go there. It's for fellowship. It's to get involved in each other's lives so we can minister to each other and help each other. I need you. You need everyone around you. You know the illustration. You take a burning ember out of a fire, set it aside. What happens to it? It goes out. You need the fellowship of God's people so you can stay on fire for God. You isolate yourselves from the fellowship, your fire is going to go out, and you're going to die spiritually. But we need to discipline ourselves to fellowship. One last one. That's the discipline of discipling. <laughs> the discipline of discipling, or the discipline of witnessing, the discipline of evangelism. We need to discipline ourselves to witness. Proverbs 11.30 says, He who wins souls is wise. Mark 4.17 said, Come follow me, I'll make you fishers of men. 
We've got the Great Commission in Matthew 28, 18 to 20, telling us to go into all the world and to make disciples of all people. Acts 1, 8 says, you'll be my witnesses throughout the entire world, in Jerusalem, in all Judea and Samaria, and even to the uttermost parts of the earth. Witnessing, making disciples, that's a discipline. And discipline always produces dynamic results. We know that. And that's why this year's theme is follow me as I follow the example of Christ. 1 Corinthians 11.1. 1. The theme is discipleship this year. To be one and to make one. And when you are putting into practice all the other six disciplines we've talked about, then this seventh one really comes together because you're ready to share with others what you have found in Jesus. And you just can't wait to tell others about your best friend. And I think I know why this seventh discipline doesn't take place as often as it should in the church. It's because the other six disciplines aren't taking place either. That's why we need all seven. If we want this congregation to grow, this part of the Lord's kingdom to grow, we've got to make disciples. We need to evangelize. And that takes discipline. And these disciplines don't always feel good, but they are good for you. They will help you because discipline always produces dynamic results. And we need to be the most disciplined people that our community knows. I'm done preaching. It's decision time. I don't think I've told you anything today that you didn't already know. We've heard these things before. But if we're going to grow in discipleship, we've got to practice the spiritual disciplines. It's as simple as that. Is it exciting? It becomes more exciting the more you do it. But we need to be disciplined people. If you have a decision you want to make for Christ today, you can meet me right down in front while we stand and sing.